0: changing lives every day through innovative pediatric specialty care,
1: research, and outstanding medical education. That's Shriners Hospitals for Children, Chicago. Proud to present another episode of our podcast series, Pediatric Specialty
0: Care Spotlight. Here's Melanie Cole. If your child needs surgery to fix a deformity caused by a birth defect, injury, illness, or tumor, A pediatric plastic surgeon has the experience and qualifications to treat your child. Cleft lip and palate is a congenital deformity that occurs in nearly one out of 600 births in the United States and causes a multitude of problems and represents a special challenge to the medical community. Here to discuss plastic surgery in children, cleft lip and palate, and what to look for when searching for a pediatric plastic surgeon for your child is Dr. Julia Corcoran. She's a recognized pediatric plastic surgeon with Shriners Hospital for Children, Chicago. Welcome to the show, Dr. Corcoran. So what kind of training typically do pediatric plastic surgeons have?
1: Melanie, it's a pretty extensive training. People have at least six years of basic plastic surgery training after medical school and college and then do further fellowship studies of about one to two years specifically in pediatric plastic surgery. So it's eight years of training or so after medical school.
0: So, what type of treatments do pediatric plastic surgeons provide? What's the scope of your practice?
1: Well, the scope of the practice includes trauma, so patients who've had accidents and patients who have um, differences from birth, including things like cleft lip and palate, but also birthmarks or vascular tumors or missing parts, uh, deformed parts extra parts that need revisions. So some of those things might include reshaping ears, reshaping noses, reshaping hands. And then as the children grow, it includes things that are acquired. So sometimes breast surgeries for overly large breasts in either boys or girls or asymmetric breasts in girls.
0: So when a parent is looking for a pediatric plastic surgeon, what should they look for? What questions would you like them to ask?
1: Well, I think the first important thing is to make sure that your surgeon is a board-certified surgeon, and that would be the American Board of Plastic Surgery, leading your plastic surgery portion of care, and that the person on an individual basis is someone who can speak to both the parent and to the child. It's important that the child's assent is obtained as well as the parent's consent.
0: Interesting, what a what a neat way to put it. So let's talk about cleft lip and palate. How common is this, and can you tell in utero if a fetus will have cleft palate?
1: Well, cleft lip and palate is a pretty common um, a common occurrence, as you said, somewhere between one in six hundred to one in seven hundred births in the United States. Um, Cleft lip can come by itself or it can come with cleft palate and also cleft palate can come by itself. If there's a cleft lip involved, oftentimes the mid-second trimester ultrasound done by OBs in their office will detect it. If it's only a cleft of the palate, that usually can't be found until birth.
0: So what are complications if it's left untreated and is it really difficult for children to eat and drink with a cleft palate?
1: So the job of the palate um, has four functions. The first and most obvious is to separate the nose from the mouth, which would essentially keep the boogers in the nose and the food in the mouth. And the second part of that is that it allows us to create suction. So feeding off of a breast or a bottle or a is something we do with our palate. And so initially, these children will require specialized bottles uh, to learn how to feed and eat. But once that's done, they learn how to do it and the parents learn how to use them. Um, They should feed and grow like anyone else. The next thing the palate does is it helps us pop our ears so that we don't get that um, full ear feeling. And the most important thing that our palate does is it helps us speak so all of those sounds you can think of, sort of making spitting sounds, the puz, the tuz, the cuz, the guz, are made by our palate closing off our throat from our nose. And all of the sounds that you can think of as nasals, the mouths and the come through our palate being open and allowing the air to flow through our nose. So uh, somebody who couldn't close their palate would be able to order laminating and nachos, but wouldn't be able to order hot dogs, popcorn, caramel, or Coca-Cola if they went to the baseball game.
0: Wow. And so when would be then the right time to consider surgery? Is it something that you consider right away after birth, or do you wait for some of the facial structures to fully grow? Tell us a little bit about the timing.
1: It's really a journey of um, facial development. So, oftentimes, uh, we start at about three to four months of age, depending on how healthy the child is otherwise, to do the initial repair of the lip and the nose. Somewhere between nine to 12 months of age, we would repair the actual palate, and uh, that allows the palate to be ready for speech, which really starts developing um, in words at about 12 to 15 months. Um, the gum line gets repaired as the adult teeth start coming in, so somewhere between six to eight years, six to nine years of age. And then ultimately, the final facial setting of the nose to whatever face grows happens in the early to mid-teenage years, earlier for girls than it is for boys. But the bottom line is is that the surgery is done um, based on the timing of facial development, which is what is... Uh, unique about pediatric surgery compared to adult surgery is that we are operating over time with development.
0: Who's involved in the surgical process since it can take so many years? What type of specialists should be involved in treating a child with cleft lip and palate? So one of
1: the things about cleft lip and palate is you need more than just a plastic surgeon. You need a whole team of people to support your family, to support the child, and to support the plastic surgeon. A good team will include, first and foremost, um, a speech pathologist to help work with the feeding and the speech. It'll include an audiologist to make sure that the hearing is good um, and adequate for speech development. It'll include nursing staff to help support the family through times of surgery. It'll include social workers to help with all of the um, needs through insurance and uh, for finding uh, care providers in your own community. It'll include a psychologist to help both the family figure out how to support their child and how the child can support themselves as they grow older. And then as far as physicians go, it'll include an orthodontist who's a specialized dentist. It'll include a pediatric dentist. It'll include an ears, nose, and throat surgeon. And it'll include, finally, the plastic surgeon.
0: So with all of these specialists involved, and it can be quite traumatic for the child, what is life like for the child during what may be a long series of surgeries? And as you mentioned, there are counselors involved and speech therapists and, you know, all kinds of things going on for this child, but they're still just a child in school. What is life like and what do you tell parents and children about going through this process?
1: I know I think that that's probably the scariest thing for a family to consider is a, a lifetime of serial surgery. But I think the best thing to understand about these particular surgeries, while they're important and they're real surgeries, they tend to be episodic care. That is to say, most of them are outpatient surgeries where you might come in for a day or maybe a, a single night. Um, and that most of them, because they can be timed around a family schedule, can be set up to be minimally disruptive to school and to growing up. Um, one of the, you know, most important things about uh, looking at the development of the child is not just the physical development, but the emotional and social development. And the great art to um, any sort of pediatric care is to time things appropriately.
0: Well, speaking of that great art, and and I would imagine you are an artist, you are redesigning these children's faces for that self-esteem and also for physiological reasons. What is your optimal result?
1: You know, the optimal result is to have a patient who can communicate their thoughts and ideas without somebody looking at them and trying to figure out why they're different. And so I like to think of cleft lip and palate as a communications disorder. And so the optimal result for the face, lip, and the nose is to have them all fit together so people are looking at the eyes of the person and listening to the words coming out. And then the words need to be clear and forceful and full of their own thoughts. So uh, building up that confidence that they have their own message, that they can say it the way that they want to, and that their appearance is an appearance that doesn't create secondary questions.
0: What a beautiful sentiment, and we certainly applaud all the great work that you're doing, Dr. Corcoran. Is there currently any research being done regarding cleft lip and palate that you can speak of?
1: You know, at uh, the Shriners Hospital in Chicago, a great deal of our research is uh, about the, the bone biology and imaging of um, craniofacial and cleft defects and uh, finding out what we can do to do better surgeries by planning them um, with very sophisticated uh, radiographic and uh, uh, computer-aided techniques.
0: Thank you so much. So wrap it up with your best advice. What you would like parents and their children to know if they do have to go through this series of procedures, what you want them to know about cleft lip and palate and Shriners Hospitals for Children Chicago.
1: I think that um, when one finds their home, their cleft palate team home, it's a group of people that you feel that uh, will support you and communicate with you and provide uh, the best solution to your needs. And uh, for the most part, I think that that is a feeling of being home. And when one finds that feeling of being in your cleft home, uh, in in your heart or your soul or your stomach, wherever you feel it, that that's probably the best place to be.
0: Thank you so much for being with us today. It's really great information. This is Pediatric Specialty Care Spotlight with Shriners Hospital for Children, Chicago. For more information, please visit ShrinersChicago.org. That's ShrinersChicago.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.